Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating, the great outdoors. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. And off the top of the show, I just want to congratulate you. You've got a massive, well, you've had a massive week, but you've got a massive game this afternoon against basically witches' hats. Can I say that or is it? Well, you can say it, I can't. Okay, well, against West Coast Eagles, and it is your 300th game, so I just want to congratulate you for your... Thank you. You haven't played yet. Don't disrespect any opposition. You might, you might pull out with one minute to go, like you did two weeks ago, to organise this to be at, to be at, played at home. But congratulations, and on a serious note, it's been a big career. Like, you've done some Ks from your parents. <laughs> I've, I've heard the backstory of your parents taking you... To training in Adelaide, driving the car, then playing. Eight like hours across. Yep. Eight hours across, right through to your 300th game, playing at home in front of what's going to be a packed GMHBA stadium, which you can have a ticket too because I want to come celebrate your yep. 300, yep. please. But uh, you get a couple hours notice. Thanks for that. Yep. Sweet, no worries. <laughs> take us through it. In all honesty, take us through the whole career because it has been... No, it's been it's been a really massive. nice week, actually, because yeah, it's the, probably the first time that I've really reflected... For a milestone. Yep. So your um, 250th, which I think was a couple of years back. Yeah, but like... Well, during COVID too, you probably... I don't think anyone got to watch you, did they? At, like, at the stadium? No, correct. So, yeah, there's something... Yeah, it was, it's, it's been a really nice week to sort of think back and it's more about, I think, the people that help you along the way. Yep. Like, I've a, my, my philosophy is you've made AFL footy when you've played 100 games because that, that sort of solidifies that you've been good enough to play for, for five sort of plus years, you know, injury, etc. Um, and it's above the average and not many people get to it. So to play 300, um, you know, it speaks to um, a little bit of luck. Everyone needs to have that. Um, but being a part of great environments really helps it. And then playing with incredible players, I think, is the most important one. Like that's – it's easy to, great, to, to look good when you can kick it long to Tom Hawkins or you yeah. saddle up – you know, with Joel Salwood. So it's been a really special week and uh, looking forward to running out with the kids this afternoon. You've done a lot of stuff in the in the time that you've played. You've all Australian. You've won Brownlow medals. The only thing you haven't done is a grand final. And I'm not having to dig at you. This is serious. The only thing you haven't done is won a grand final and you've got a real good shot at it this year. A real good shot at it. Is that all you want? It is. It. Um, where, where does that, Where does that? I guess, would that finish the career off as good as it gets? I think it would, yeah. I think it would. It, um, and the older you get, the, the the greater appreciation you have for what 
really only matters within the game. You know, early on in your career, there's all you you know you have all these different ambitions, but the the longer you play, you realise that the best part about playing team sport and the enjoyment you get are from the stories, yeah. and the stories are the collective on the different things and funny things and, and adversity that you face as a team and, and all these things that you can celebrate together. So, um, yeah, th- that's the that's the one thing. And, you know, we've given ourselves a shot this year. We've played some great footy. Uh, we'll, we'll finish as minor premiers. And then, you know, there's a month to go with the real stuff starting next week. Um, and that's not to, to take our eyes, you know, off the ball with this afternoon. But we know the bigger picture and where we're at, and this is another stepping stone to helping us improve our game. And, yeah, it, it, I can't help but think about it and, put, you know, picture yourself in that situation. Um, we've got a few boxes to tick before you get there, but I don't think there's any problem with, you know, dreaming about what it oh, 100%. might look like. Yep. Um, if you never do that, then, you know, what's the point? That's what you're you playing know? for. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, we, we've given ourselves a shot. We've had a, a really solid season, so... You know, make of it what we will. That's that's the challenge ahead for us. Three hundred games of footy in the AFL. Not many people have done it. There's, I don't know how many, but it's there's not many. Yeah, it's not. A there's place. only I think there's yeah. six for actually just the one club in Geelong itself. I think saw it on a AFL three sixty during the week, but <laughs> it's uh, it's been some hours upon hours running, traveling away from the family. I know how busy you are. I spend a lot of time with you. You don't even answer the phone. You're doing this. You're doing that. <laughs> what It all looks, from the outside, an AFL footballer's life looks, I guess, easy until you actually spend time with someone that is deeply involved in it. And I've got a few friends that play AFL now. You understand the workload that's on your body, the dealing with the public, the pressure that's on you 24-7. In your 300 games, which is over your whole career, what instead of the highs, what's the lowest that you like? The lowest that you've been because where's it? Where have you been? Hold on, this is the hardest point in my career. Where has it been put in? I guess into that relevance of the 300 games to say, right? At one point, I can't do it anymore. Is it? Have you ever been like that, or is it not so much? They can't do it anymore. But like the the sort of two clear ones. One losing grand final, like that's that's obvious, um, but it. Wasn't as bad as when Phil Walsh died in 2015. Yeah, right. So that, that's a former uh, Adelaide yeah, coach. Yeah, my, my senior coach at the time. And knowing that I was already going to leave. Oh, right. Yeah. So, so knowing that I'm going to leave the club who have mm. now lost their senior coach, that was a, that was a really tough one to navigate you know, internally, yep. mentally processing that. And then, well, you would have felt like the bad guy as such leaving, like, yeah, just naturally, yeah. And then having that conversation with players and speaking to each and every player um, at the club and telling them, you know, what I was going to do that that part was really difficult mm. um, because it was sort of you know, it's the elephant in the room when you're going to leave a club because it's played out throughout the media throughout the entire season. So it, that was the big one when it's like, wow, one of the most emotional. Um, and challenging times in the club's history. And then, um, you know, back end of the season, we play finals and then... Yeah, losing know, one of their better players. Lo- like lo- lose, losing the finals and then it's like, okay, well, now <laughs> it's time to tell everyone. Yeah. That was um, that was a really challenging time. But I've, I've been so bloody lucky. I've, I've been so blessed to play with 
great players, great clubs. And since moving to Geelong, like, there's not too many days where I don't walk in the front door and it's like, this is just a great place to mm. go into work. It's so unique because you go into a building where everyone is trying to be the best version of this, themselves. And that's the best part, I think, of, of professional sport because you don't get that in every workplace where everyone is trying to do and be the best that they can be. So that'll be the biggest challenge, I think, post-football going into you know, whatever work comes next, that it's, it's an environment where naturally that's just not going to exist. So for me, it's you know, cherishing every moment of that and then having kids and being able to um, you know, bring them along and enjoy footy with them. And that's almost... Well, it definitely has. It's been challenging, but it also it levels you because it reaffirms that football is a part of your life. It's not the only thing because there's so much else that's good. And yep. at the end of the day, the kids don't really care where you, whether you've lost. Did you win, Dad? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, that's disappointing. Can we play Nerf Wars now? <laughs> and then the Nerf guns come out. You know, so reality it, kicks in. Exactly right. So it's been a, it's been a great journey. It's been something that, um, yeah. Uh, I'd say never in my wildest dreams, but to be honest, I always felt I was good enough to play and play for a long time. Yep. So I feel like this is another box ticked off and, and we've got another one to do you know, this afternoon and then... Um, Start again. Exactly right. Our future's in our own ha- hands and we go from there. Well, that's enough about you because it's a fishing show. It and is. All this you know, in, all, in all honesty though, well done. 300 from all our Real Adventures listeners. Thanks, old boy. They probably don't agree with me, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to say it on behalf of them because it's a massive effort. And if you ever do beat Salwood's record, we'll give you another pump up. <laughs> so if you if you ever get to that 350th, we'll uh, we'll have another chat about it. But what happened during the week? Well, super yacht goes down. Yeah. So you you spoke about uh, heartache. <laughs> well, this 43 meter super yacht caught fire on its maiden voyage. It is doing the rounds on social media at the moment, and you can follow our Real Adventures social pages. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, and of course, you can download our Real Adventures app. But Maiden Voyage, crew of five on board, all who are safe, Redmond, but it took three hours to burn it to the water. Um, <laughs> and it was supposed to be at the Cairns Yacht, uh, Cairns Yachting Festival. It was supposed to be a star of the festival. The centrepiece. I've written stat here, but it was meant to be a star of the flock. It was meant to be one of the main icons, and it's caught on fire. It's up there with the Titanic's <laughs> maiden voyage. It doesn't, probably doesn't quite top the Titanic's the first voyage, but it's as big a flame out as you could possibly see on the world yachting stage. I got no, well, I tried to work out what this thing was worth. I couldn't work it out, but multi millions. Well, and with. The in like the increase in prices with bloody everything at the moment, you can just about um, guarantee that whatever it was worth and cost to build, it's gone up since. Our our good friends at Melbourne Marine Centre, yeah, Pat. they have a talk night on the twenty fifth of August. Yep. Uh, Unfortunately, it's with our mate Lee Rayner, so we're not sure what you're going to get out of it. Our great mate <laughs> Lee Roy Rayner. So Lee's going to be covering all the basics of the early uh, season snapper. Uh, plus many more. So from 6pm, the doors open. Um, you will also be... No, not me. There is going to be a guest there talking about uh, sonar setups. So someone's oh, nice. going to be taking you through sonar setups. So a special guest is going to be there to take you through basically everything you need to know about sonars. There's going to be foods and drinks available throughout the night as well. And also, after the talk commences... It is going to be 25 to 50% off. I'm going to go store-wide in the tackle store. 
Andrew might pull me up on that. But he has we'll, to do it. Now. But he has to do it now because I he said. He has to do it. Yep. But there's some sort of discount, twenty to twenty five percent off at Melbourne. The whole Ring. store, the whole store, everything there. Even yep. North Bank seven fifties, fifty percent off. <laughs> they're tell great. Him, tell him we said. <laughs> they're, they're great mates of ours, so uh, make sure you head down to that now. Uh, the Oringa Reservoir, Redmond. Yes, yeah, Newport Ferry, that one. Yeah, this has been stocked with a thousand browns and a thousand rainbows this week, which is and does happen annually. But it does mean it is a great place uh, where there is plenty of fish to take your kids and head inland, particularly with the – we thought the seasons were changing from a Victorian perspective, having just spent uh, a couple of days up in Queensland. I don't know why you'd live in Victoria. Yeah, serious question on that. Why do we live in Victoria? I, I don't, I'm, uh, it's, it's got me. Because the Sunday, we, had, uh, we flew out a little bit later on the Sunday after our game against Gold Coast. And it was just the most picturesque day at Broadbeach. Bloody sensation. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, but, like, it's just different warmth, too. Like, it's, even though it was only like 20 degree, 21 degrees, but at night, it's still warm. Like, 16 degrees when you're walking around the town. Speaking of degrees, um, <laughs> what did you fish in this week? Where did you hit and was it? Well, we had Antarctica here with floods. <laughs> so, no, we uh, managed to get out for, uh, sorry, just lied to you, managed to get out Wednesday. Yep. And we managed to land some schoolies and gummies again. Yep. Had a quick look for a barrel tuna. The signs are there. The fish are there. Well, we've seen them started to make their way up from Portland. Uh, Apollo Bay's fish Got world. a massive review in the whip around, so we won't give too much away on that, Patrick, because that's a little bit later in the show after the break. Nice. And th- there's been a few different reports, Redmond, of uh, large skeletons around boat ramps, Around the southern region of yep. there's, the surf coast. There's so there, there's, a, there's a few fish around. It's just when we're going to see them in really big numbers. And, and not even the, it's the weather as well. Like, oh, you just, it's like it's never ending at the moment. It, it, like this week, I'm pretty sure we had rain every day. And not just rain, other than Wednesday morning when I went fishing, we had wind. Yeah, yeah. But not like fishable wind. Like normally I can makes sneak it hard, out. Yeah, it makes it hard to get. To, and to follow fish too. So once we can get on the water more, we can follow these fish more, the barrels as such, when out at the front of here. But just anything, like I think someone rang me during the week and go, oh, Aaron, where are the whiting? And like wanted to mark exactly where the whiting are. Where normally I'm all over that, where I'm like, oh, I haven't been for a week. Like I don't, I don't actually know exactly where they are. I'm, I can give you some areas where they will be, where they could be, which is what we do at Salt Guide. But... I'm going to give you basically the same idea. I give it. I've got. I've, I don't know because I just haven't been able to be consistently on the water. So it's only. I thought it was changing a bit. A spring's been in the air a little bit. A few days of the week we've had yeah. a spring in the air. So it's not far away. Days are definitely getting longer. So it's not too far away now that you'll see me out in the water a bit more regularly as well with everyone else. All right, we've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way after the break. We're going to find out what's biting in your part of the country. Uh, we've got. Of course, the social club. Missed it last week. We were running uh, mm. short on time, so we'll nail we'll, it today. We'll flick, flick through the uh, whip around so we can make sure we do that. Exactly right. Plenty more coming up after the break. This is Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time to find out what's biting in your part of the country. All thanks to Jayco Sydney. Go on your next adventure and make sure it's... Through Jayco Sydney Redmond, They'll, the guys will look after you there. There's obviously a huge range of caravans right throughout uh, Jayco Sydney, from the um, 
your whippersnappers right up to your dual axle <laughs> sort of three and a half tonners. So uh, let's kick things off with Victoria. The Portland barrels at the moment are on fire. I had to pull you up earlier because I just wanted to talk about it. We're not going in too much depth here. I'll go a little bit on Vic side of things and we'll whip around the country only because these barrels are very exciting. They've now sort of not just in Port Mac over the border in South Australia. Portland on the weekend... I think there was like nearly 30 barrels caught every day and multiple fish lost. Basically, behind the rock, so it's straight out, it's not far out, and they are spread from Julia Percy behind the rock through to Nelson. So there's plenty of barrels. Apollo Bay has also been on fire for big barrels. So those fishing Apollo Bay, there are two well-known reefs, Big yep. Reef and Little Reef. Now, yep. Big Reef is obviously the one that's further out. And it's a bit bigger than it's Little a bit Reef. Bigger. Uh, where are we finding them if we're, you know, the closer they, to Melbourne? There's fish everywhere. Uh, I know a fish that were caught at Blanket Bay, which is only 5Ks from the boat ramp. I know there was fish caught at the back of Henty Reef, which is only 5Ks out. I know there was fish caught at the Lighthouse, which is a 20K rundown, and at the Pinnacles, which is about a 50K rundown, and Big Reef. Like, there's fish spread out everywhere, Pat. There's not your one pocket anymore. It's yep. really started to spread out. Where they've come from, we don't know, but they just keep coming in numbers, and it is great to see a widespread of Victorian bar- barrel bluefin spread. Plus, you've got the fish out of Western Port and out of Port Phillip and whatnot, and who else? Who knows where else they are too? You've yep. also got the salmon. They've lined up right along the surf coast. So from Lawn down to Janjuk, right to Torquay, there's plenty of salmon in the off the beaches there. I've been seeing some magnificent drone footage of, of fish schooled up right in close. Big schools as well. Massive schools, yeah, huge schools. Tamboon Inlet, the cricketer, good friend of the show, Cam White, he was down off Tamboon during the week, gave me a great report of brim and salmon. So that's fishing really, really well too. And Lake's entrance has been going very, very well for the whiting. So that's a little bit of the Victorian side of things. Heading into the New South Wales, the barrel, or not barrel, will go all sorts of bluefin. All sizes are out of Ulladulla this week. There was fish from 40 kilo right up to 130 kilo. So massive range of fish that were caught during the week off Ulladulla, which is great to see. But the currents are shaping up to look like it could spread in a good fashion. So you could So what see, do you mean by that? What, what are you looking at when yeah, you... Just the way the water, the SST, so the way that current's moving, it's not hot. It's holding. It was holding in one sort of area, but now it's sort of starting to trickle out and spread down the coast. So we yep. might see fish heading off Bermagui up to Eden. I know there's some fish south of the border, but they're on the 37 line, so they're a long way out. They're past. They're a long, long way out. So it's, I'd like to say out of reach for wreck anglers on a traditional day, but yep. there is there is good signs that this current could do good things for the fishing, and it'll be interesting to see. I guess, how it pans out over the next few weeks. Lake Burragorang, I think I got that right, have had some great trout captures this week on little hard buddy divers. And a lot of streams and lakes are fishing really well around New South Wales at the moment for your trout. So they're fishing really good too. It's a really good time of the year for trout fishing. As the season starts to change, we start to head into spring a little bit. Those days aren't quite as frostily and freezing cold in the early mornings. We're starting to get those done hatches it's a, it's a good time if you're looking to get into whether it be rainbows or browns and starting to fish these inland streams. It's a, it's a nice time of the year. Yep, and Gray's Point had some great flathead captures too and just unweighted pillies, Pat, just flicking them in and they were catching a lot of fish too. Western Australia, Exmouth, uh, well, the fishing in Exmouth is just about as good as it gets. So generally when we give you a report on Exmouth, it's going to be pretty damn good. 
but micro-jigging has been really popular. Spangled emperor redmond have been yep. uh, one of the fish caught amongst others. Yeah, Spanish mackerel have been good on the trawl too. Like you just said, you can't really justify a report there, can you? It's You can't break it down. You'd be here for three days trying to write stuff. So it's fishing really well, Exmouth, and it's a place that I've never been to and really want to get to. Albany right now is holding huge amount of sambos, flicking off the beach, metal lures. You can just see the schools there, that thick in numbers. They have been so easy to catch, and there's just millions and millions and millions of fish. So you don't if need if you're gonna yeah if you're gonna target them, you don't need the trebles. I Take read them off. on one of the posts I read on social media said he reckons he could have took his thong off his shoe, a uh, song off his foot, and cast it out and caught a salmon. <laughs> That's what he reckons. <laughs> Heading to South Australia, the Gunnell River has been fishing great for Mulloway right now. Fresh fillets of bait of bait of flesh bait, I should say, as well as fresh squid has been the go. Elliston Jetty on the Eyre Peninsula is fishing great right now for Flathead and King George Whiting for anyone that's land-based. Tassie, we've got Brady's Lake, he's holding some great browns right now with plastics being very good. Bank Strait is turning it on with Strike Trumpeter as well as all bottom fish. You've got nannies, you've got gumbos, school sharks, they're all on the chew as well. And to finish it off, Pat, in Queensland, the snapper ban has ended through the week. So, you're now back allowed to target snapper. It's all on the menu for anglers. So the reports have been really good too, So as bycatch pad as such. So people that have been fishing for other species, the snapper have been really good. Obviously, they've been letting them go because they haven't been able to catch them, but there's good signs that the snapper fishery is red hot. So we're going to see more captures of that as well. Pearl perch too, they've been on the bite too. And also some good cobia being landed out of Moreton Bay right now on micro jigs too. Oh, we love that cobia, your fish. My favourite. Caught one of those once. <laughs> uh, that is the whip around where we find out what's biting right around the country, all thanks to Jayco Sydney. Let the adventure begin. Jayco Sydney helping you on your next great escape. Righto, it's time for the social club, and I'm going to kick things off. Now, if you want to hit us up on social media, send us a direct message. Uh, we'll do our best to get back to you as often as we can. But Aaron, what's more important and what would you prioritise when it comes to Barrel tuna fishing. The quality of lures, the quality of lures and the line, or spending more on the rod and reel. So the Tiagra 50, and what would you match with if you're spending sort of 400-esque on yeah. a rod? Like, what's more important? Like, you obviously can't bring in the fish without really good equipment, but what's the level of spend that you need to make in order to catch something great and are you better off doing that and spending, you know, 500 bucks on your rod and reel and spending a bit more on your lures? It's a, it's a real tricky question to answer, but you uh, TLD 50, you can pick one of them up for a few hundred dollars. Yep. You can get 24 Moi Moi line on it. It'll yep. cost you 30 or $40 to fill the reel. Yep. So you're looking at, say... What's your minimum... Rod, hundred. You can get a bucks. Shimano backbone. I think yep. I've got. I run a few of those. I think I've even told you why. Yes. I think yep. they're about one hundred and fifty dollars or one hundred and eighty dollars. Say we'll go two hundred bucks. Yep. Say two hundred bucks. But I reckon they're they're north of that. Are uh, they south? They of are that. south of they're that. South they of are that. south of that. Plus the line. Now for a lure as such, these things are big salmon. In all honesty, I, <laughs> people really can, people can really complicate fishing if they are on. They are on. They will eat anything. But it's when they're not is the hard days when you're going to catch them. But exactly. at the moment out of Portland, like people are running all different lure spreads. Now, I just get a between $50 to $80 lure. Uh, the reason is you want a quality head. If it is a bit rough, 
you want the water, you want the lure to hold in the water for longer than coming out and flying around like a kite. Yep. Because the fish lives in the water, so you want it to be in the water. And then your line, like your leader line, you can pick up, I think it's high catch it's called, for like $25 you can get, I think, like 50 metres for. So you can actually do it cheap. But the problem is with those TLDs and whatnot, they aren't as good quality. So if you're just barrel fishing here and there, it'll work perfect. Yep. But if you're going to flog the reel out like I do, yes. it's not going to probably last as long as what a Tiagra 50 wide will. A 50 will last me a lifetime, where a TLD, being Shimano, it's 100% quality. So you probably will last your lifetime, but it just isn't quite as nice as a Tiagra. I was going to say, just not quite as... as Nice to use. And if you the will. noise isn't the same when the drag screams off. Next question. <laughs> next question for Pat. What do I need? Actually, I'm going to make two questions out of this. Reading this, Pat. What do I need to spend on half a decent fly setup around the five to six weight at Harvey? Now, the reason I'm saying I'm going to ask two questions. Not an avid fly fisherman myself. No. Five to six weight. What is that as well? So start off with that. What is a five to six weight right fly rod? Well, say a six weight. That's the um, the size essentially of the rod. Yeah. So it's like a twenty pound rod as such. Yeah. Correct. Like as a size example. Yeah. Okay. So how much is it going to cost you? Or you can say Gillies do a combo set for the for the beginner at hundred and seventy odd bucks, hundred two hundred bucks, and and that's a good start. Like the thing with with fly rods and reels, it almost goes against. So for your um, so for tuna fishing, for a Tiagra fifty, you can go with a backbone. Yeah, for you know cheaper rod, good reel. I would go the other way when you're fishing, fly fishing. You want a really good rod, and the reel matters less. Right, you can spend a lot less on your reel. Um, if you're going to go the top and upper echelon, I run a Sage. Yeah, Sage is a really really nice brand. Uh, Reddington's another good Australian. Uh, um, brand that you can run that's sort of it's that middle class sort of three four hundred bucks depending on what sort of setup that you go with um and they you know the the servicing of those is really really good um abu garcia have a similar version to jane how, how much is one of those expensive ones though a sage or a top end rod you're looking at sort of the 600 plus yeah right so but the matches for the rod yeah but the beauty of sage depending on what model you get you get a lifetime guarantee with Sage. So if something breaks, so I've broken pieces of my rod before uh, and I just send it back to Sage and they send a replacement. Right. So if it's something that you're going to get into, then I I would strongly recommend spending good money on a Sage that has a guarantee like that where you can continue, you can you can go back. Gotcha. Stork is another really good brand actually. Don't mind those. I've actually got a few of those because um, – I go really light when I fish through the Otways. So, so when you say light, does that come down to that number five or six? Yeah, so I'll keep going even lighter again. So does it go lighter? Does it go down to one and two as such? Like, is that how it works in the fly range? Does it yeah. go, is five and six a medium? Does it go up to, is 10 and 12 heavier or is two heavier? Yeah, probably, what's the heaviest I've got? I've got an eight weight. Yep. Um, but I, I don't, depending on the sizes, like you can go extremely light where you don't even have a reel, essentially. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah. Where you're literally just rolling with your um, your rod and line, your, your rod and line, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. But yeah, that that line class, I'll stick to sort a, of three weights as as really as light as you get. I'll stick to a spin reel and a spin rod, and then heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's about the ten, <laughs> about ten. Um, 
<laughs> all right. Are you finishing off? Or you got I? time for one more? Boys, I've never had any success on gummy sharks. Please dumb it down on what you do in order to catch a feed, Barry S. Very easy fish to catch. They are. You sit on your reefs, anchor up. In the bay, anchor up in your gutters and channel. This is to dumb it down just only in the time I've got. Yep. Gummies love channels, gutters, and reef. So if you can find any of that, that's the starting point. Using your sounder, watching drop-offs. Catch freshish bait. I used salmon last time that were my bait from from my freezer from last year. They weren't cryvac; they were frozen. That caught, I think, five gu- uh, four gu- five gummies and two schoolies. Worked well. But also, a couple of those fish that I caught, sorry, weren't all on salmon, were actually off the reef species. So we caught what actually the gummies are feeding on. So the gummies are were lurking those reefs, feeding on whatever they can get a hold of. So we're using some of those fish, the reef fish or parrotfish, as bait too. If you use parrotfish as bait, are they uh, the pickers? As in? Nowhere near as interested. Yeah. They are interested, but nowhere near like a bit of salmon. Everything yep. eats salmon. It's yep. oily, but for some, but the gummies... But if you're trying to avoid the pickers and the yep. other parrotfish... Bigger baits, leave the skin on, don't cut, don't let the flesh access to the fish as much. Chunk baits, nice big chunks, and the pickers won't annoy you anywhere near as much. And also another thing, let the tide run. Yeah. If I can't advise anything more, slack water is crap for them. Crap for nearly everything. What about your patience once the reel does sing off? How long do you leave it in? Oh, just until it stops running. So, like, I just I run about a kilo and a half of drag, so, two kilos. So, kilo let drag. them don't be tempted just to rip it out of the yep. rod holder and oh. then try and hook the living crap out of it. Yep. Just let the weight of the fish hook shark. itself, especially. Hook itself. And I always use circles for my gumbos 7.0 circles, this game gatsu. That's just what I use, always have. Great hook. They're one fish that I would probably religiously use uh, circle hooks on. Uh, other stuff I play with, like whiting, I'm straight hooks. Snapper I play with, it depends on the depth, whatnot. But gummies, I always use circle hooks. The way they come up, they mouth it, they swim off with it, and then all of a sudden it rolls into the corner, and very rarely you lose one on a circle hook. Beautiful work. That is The Social Club. Plenty more real adventures after the break. All aboard for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack, and go. Time for all aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Michael Evans joins us this morning from Victorian Inland Charters. Good morning, Mick. Good morning, boys. Now, Mick, all, all over social media during the week, you were holding up some... There's a horse. Some spotted gold horse thing that you were holding <laughs> up during the week. Uh, you posted up a great little uh, write-up about it, and I thought it was very important to get you on about... The amount of fishing you do in the freshwater scene to having a PB now, I know when I fish a lot, more of the saltwater side of things, getting PBs every day of the week isn't a thing now when you fish extremely regularly like you and I do. So this must have been something special, this fish that you caught. Oh, it definitely was, mate. The amount, Like you said, the amount of hours we spend on the water, especially with myself doing charters, you doing guides, all that sort of thing. Um, when you do get the chance to fish, yourself um i generally try and put in as much time and effort as i can for the fact it could be another week or two till i get to have a fish for myself again so well uh, well before yeah. you before you get into it what was it what did you catch what was the weight where were you and and was it a fluke <laughs> and what are the gps marks <laughs> <laughs> so i was at uh, lake Parambit, which is in the southwest victoria just out of camper down there yep um it's one of the premier trout lakes of victoria if not australia for trophy fishing is anyway 
um, and it was a brown trout. It was 77 centimetres long and 5.2 kilo or 11 pounds, 7 ounces in the old scale. So, yeah. yeah. Now, anything over 10 pound is like that's the marker of, a, of an in absolute. In Australia, it is for sure. 10 pounds of trout in Australia, that's a trophy size and generally what people will keep to put on the wall. Um, or get the, that once-in-a-lifetime photo with. Um, I actually got one last year that was 10 pounds, 7 ounces, and that was my best ever. And now, yeah, this year, six months on or seven months on, whatever it is, and, uh, yeah, I've managed to top that one, so I was pretty happy. And that's on the uh, bent minnow mix. So how do you, yeah. t- how, how do you target a, a fish like this? Are you, are you working certain water uh, areas? Are you looking for snags? What time of the day? Like, if people are looking for their trophy fish, how do they go about doing it? Um, yep. The easiest way, quite simply, is obviously to uh, to head to your socials where you can get in contact with Mick at Victoria. Yeah, and I get charters. messages weekly of people um, not really even inquiring about charters, just more asking how do I retrieve, what's the best time of day. And I try and help people out wherever I can. I don't hide info. There's no secret to you. I sort of share as much as I've got to other people just for the fact the only way of learning is uh, asking and knowing sort of thing. Um, so... The best time of year to target these big fish is generally winter because they're coming into the spawning times and all that. And at this lake, especially, the, the lake's margins are just... There's a 10-metre weed bed, basically, that covers the whole bit of the lake. So they, when they get to this time of year and they're full of eggs and all that sort of stuff and trying to spawn, they head into the shallow shallow waters in the weed beds and try and spawn in the black sand and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's a matter of just getting your, your lure in that weed, annoying them. Generally, it's not a uh, eating bite. It's an aggression bite to say, hey, get out of my, my area or anything like that. I guess, it's, yeah, it's not so much that they're hungry. It's more that they say, get away from me. As, um, and it's just persistence of a lot of cast in between fish. As I'm sure you would find this, but uh, it's one thing to, to give the information to people. This is how to, you need to target this species of fish. It's another thing to actually do it, though. Like the oh, beauty 100%. of yeah. the beauty of yeah. actually... Um, ringing Mick up and saying, mate, I need a book of charter going out and then actually learning the technique rather than just listening to it or, 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 or whatever it might be, actually being there and, and stepping through it to it, then take a, that away and then, you know, learn from that. And it's something Mick will vouch for too right. with a trout, with the casting is probably how important it is. For instance, I can go with barrel bluefin, uh, sorry, school bluefin tuna and summer out of bow and heads bat and I could have 10 casts and potentially hook four or five tuna to someone's... I guess if they were to hook five, they'd have five times more of the casts than I would. Yep. I won't waste casts, where yep. Mick probably isn't yeah. either. So it's not like yep. I'm casting exactly. and wasting casts. It's, it's, it's the fish are up, bang, quick, put something in front of that splash. Now, exactly. it might be the same for you, Mick. Yep, yep, 100%, mate. Yep. So that's what you're teaching, so I, obviously, Mick. Well, I try and teach people, look, it's okay, you go out there and you can cast, cast, and cast, and a lot of people walk away with tail between their legs because they've done that much casting and not caught a fish, or if they have, it's only been small stuff. And a lot of the time I say to people, sometimes I'll stand in my boat on the casting deck for 10, 15, 20 minutes just watching. Mm, yeah. Because when you're casting in a certain area, you're not looking at other areas. So when I put up a video, a lot of people say, oh, why don't you ever concentrate on when you're retrieving at where you've casted? I said, because me lure's in the water doing its job. I've got the retrieve going. My head's constantly turned away from where, I'm, where I've cast my lure, looking for fish rising. So when I get that lure back to me, if I see a fish rise between casts, I'm going to put a lure straight in front of it every yep. single time. Yeah, that's and the, that's, that's sort of the key. A lot difference. of people focus too much on what they're doing and not what's around them. So that's yeah, sort of the harder part of just 
teaching people some basic stuff like that is always keep an eye on the water because if you if you're not watching your surrounds, well, sometimes you miss a lot of fish too. Well, obviously so. the trout have been playing friendly to uh to Mick, but you've also had some great redfin captures too throughout the last few weeks. Yeah, the last few weeks the reddies have started to come back on the board again, which is pretty good, and it, it's a little bit odd for this time of year, winter, because uh, they're generally same thing. This time of year they they're getting full of eggs and shutting down, heading into the the shallow weed or the deep grassy stuff, and generally I don't bite too much. But yeah, the last few trips, sort of last three or four weeks, uh, been getting some good bags, sort of up to 70, 80 fish some sessions, and then even 20 or 30 some days, it's a little bit harder, but you just persist and you still get a decent bag of readies to take home for a feed, so it hasn't been too bad. What about the tiger trout, Nick? Because they are a beautiful fish they and are. there's been good reports uh, of, of late around different spots in the, around Victoria. What have you got to report for us? Because checking your socials, there's uh, there's a rather nice fish on there. Yeah, they aren't too bad. They're, they're growing pretty quick and they're a pretty aggressive feeder, so they're sort of not overly hard to catch if you put a bit of time into them. Um, they same thing. They generally, I found, it, love the weed for some reason. Uh, but they're also at Lake Bull and Mary, and there's been quite a few guys over the last month or two fishing land base there, and they've been picking up some really good ones up that sort of one and a half, two kilo mark, um, and just using small spinners, silver sort of natural coloured hard bodies and stuff like just casting out from the shore and just working the banks. There's a lot of fish rising there, so you just cast your risers, and yeah, you're every bit of a chance of getting a nice one there. So very well worth the effort. If you want to keep up to date with what Mick's catching, Pat, make sure you do follow his social media, Victorian Inland Charters, Facebook and on Instagram, and give him a call on 0402 347 515 if you want to book a charter. Now, Mick, for anyone that wants to book a charter, they can hire the boat out if they want. They can do get a couple of boys together or a couple of girls together and they can head out. What are you going to be targeting yep. over the next month? Just finish off us, us up on what's going to be happening in the next four weeks. Uh, next Four to six weeks will be down at the Crater Lakes. Um, Lake Bull and Mary, new boat ramp's just about open, so I'll be back on there doing charters finally. Yep. Um, after a fairly hefty wait. But, uh, yeah, that's good news for everyone. I've been getting handed to get back on there, so that'll be a good thing. Um, so I'll be down at the Crater Lakes for probably the next six weeks at least. Um, as the weather starts to warm up, I'll head back up to Eild and start chasing some of them summer cod. Um, yeah. Um, and also do one-on-one guiding sessions as well for yeah. people that want to come out and have the boat for themselves and learn. And yeah, so yeah, which I think is a great way, Redmond. And you've obviously done plenty of this, but it's a great way to really learn about. Well, it corrects those things that we just spoke about. Exactly right. Yeah, yep. to, to really right. master it. We, you can message you can message us on social media as much as you want. I'll tell you the plastic I'm using for tuna. He'll tell you the bent minnow. Yeah. He'll tell you the yep. leader he's using. But it's the it's the patience and in betweens that we've picked up over years, and not only that, it's the skill we've developed. Like you, you kick a foot. I was going to say kick a footy for goal, good, but you can't. But you can kick a footy around the oval, all right. Don't but, laugh at that. <laughs> but it's but it's it's the in between it's the in between skills that you learn that actually that actually you can then observe yeah. observe and watch and pull them up. Dude, why yeah. have you put the boat there? No, the boat needs to be on the other side, mate. Like, there's yeah. no point in having yeah. the boat this side of the wind because you can't cast there now. Yeah. Like, there's little That's things right. in between that we can do, and if obviously mix uh, guiding that in the freshwater scene. If you do want to improve your freshwater fishing, Michael Evans, Victorian yeah. Inland Charters. That was all aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. It's now time for Red's review, our product review of the week, and as we head into the snapper season, this review is all about snapper. And 
Snapper Racks Redmond. It is. We do this every year, and I thought it was sort of a relevant time now because we're fast approaching September, and October people will start to really have a good look for Snapper. And if you want anything manufactured, you might have it in time for next year's. <laughs> that was going to be my next point, hence ne- why we're doing it early. Next year's Snapper season. So it's a good time to do it now because you, your manufacturers, whoever you use, they're going to need some time because they have been busy. Now, put some pressure on them because Snapper season isn't far away, like I said. And Snapper Racks will catch you more fish. It's just simple. And you can get Snapper at the moment. I know you caught um, some smokers, um, you know, a a few weeks back, but it's so cold. So we're talking about as the season starts to change and giving yourself the best chance of catching Snapper um, as it becomes a more regular occurrence. This is why we see this is important. Yeah, 100%. And this is – I've got a few dot points here just to – I guess, remind me of, on, a, on a few aspects of not just for snapper. These fish aren't just for snapper. Like, uh, these racks aren't just for snapper, sorry. You can use them for all sorts of fishing. So you can get pre-made ones. So you can jump online and look at, I guess, Melbourne Marine Centre and or any tag Geelong Marine World, and they'd probably be just already made snapper racks. Yep. The problem is you need to drill holes into your boat with rod holders and to make them fit. And let's be honest, you don't know how good they're going to be. So if you do just want a cheap set, that it's just going to be, I guess, put in the boat and then just left, by all means, go for it. If it was me, I'd get them custom to my boat. The reason for it is you can get them custom to your height that you want them. Not just They're not just made to whatever it is. They can get them custom to the holders, rod holders or holes that are already in your vessel. So it's itself. easy to pull them in and pull, pull them out. Yep. Yep. You're not trying to squeeze things in. They get made to size. I've got mine wrapped around the back on my uh, port side of my boat and I've got an entry point. So I've actually got a bar that folds up out of my snapper rack so you can walk into the back of my boat next to the engine and folds down and I push a pin in and it locks it again. So that's custom to my boat and that's how I wanted it. So that's a great aspect of it too. Not only that as well, they also give you the best hookup for a fish. So when the fish loads up, you don't want your rod upright because all that happens is your line just gets constantly pulled closer to the boat every time you rock. Where if you lay them flat, they just move side to side as such and just go up and down a little bit where they're not actually going to pull your baits close, distract you, trying to wind them in, recast your baits back out. And then when the fish grabs them, the rod loads up naturally in the rod holder and the fish will scream off and you'll get a beautiful hook up rather than up the top in a rod holder, rod's bending, trying to touch the water, all of a sudden your new $300 snapper rod snapped in half. What are we paying for them? Now, that's what I've got here. They range from like 120 150 bucks right up to custom. Now, custom, I can't put a value on it as such, but you're looking between 600 to 1000 bucks, yep. depending on the quality that you go, the type of, I guess, stainless you go. That, that's, so that'll be 316 stainless steel, the, the topper or upper. The higher, yeah, the higher grade stainless I'd be running for sure. But like I said, these aren't just used for snapper. I use them for all my gummy fishing. I use them for my whiting fishing. Whiting fishing, they're unbelievable. You put them in your whiting, your your rack, and your rod's in front of you. You can see it. Your head's not looking up to where the clouds are, and you're not getting distracted by looking all the way up. So there's, there's so many different reasons to have it, and we could talk about it all day, and that's Reg Review Snapper Racks. They're great for all sorts of fishing. It doesn't matter if you're a Melbourne fisher, as they call them, the Melbourne Snapper Racks. All around the country, all around the world, they are a great aspect to put on your boat. I think the other thing is you can buy them from, say, Melbourne Marine Centre, Geelong Marine World, Christie's Beach in Adelaide, or you can go to them and say, I want to get some custom racks. Where should I go to? 
And 100%. The, and those they'll guys, you. they'll send you to the place that they use for their, yep. their custom stainless work. So even though they're not getting the job, they want to help you get the best product that you can possibly get as well. So that's the other reason to go to your local marine dealer because they'll put you in touch with the right people and marine, these. And marine dealers the one because they're the ones that have the contacts in the marine game. You don't want to just go to some random stainless guy and then all of a sudden it doesn't it's 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 not a it's not marine worthy or whatnot. You need to go to someone that has experience in that marine game because the marine game, saltwater game, is of a prick of a game at times when it tries game to eat everything. Red's tip for Anaconda. Anaconda just got a whole lot bigger. Don't miss their Adventure HQ grand opening celebration. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It is time for Red's tip. What do you have for us heading into the weekend, Redman? What are what your vehicle, both of them? Diesel? Both diesels. Yeah, I've got a tip for you. Don't fill it up with AdBlue in the in the diesel. Yeah, I know you've done that once or twice. You know what happens? (laughs) You had a good new car, didn't you? You get a new you get a new engine, whole new engine, whole new engine. What do you buy? Ford Australia. <laughs> How happy God. were they? Uh, oh, my great mates at Rex Corral. It wasn't the first time that this had happened, I don't think. <laughs> it's right next to Are it. Are you like, trying what? to blame Marty or did Why? you do this? I did this. <laughs> Why would you have the ad blue right next to the fuel filler? I could nearly leave the tip like this. This is good. Couldn't believe well, it. Well, it's two parts. You put the boot, that bit in that bit and the fuel yeah, in I know, that I know that. I know that. But my I, got, tip is, I got 30 metres down the road and I'm like, oh, my God, I know what I've just done. I've just loaded 10 litres of AdBlue into the diesel. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> My tip is this week, it, go fill your boat up. I hadn't been fishing for two weeks because I was in hospital for two weeks. Under two bucks Mate, at the moment. Mate, it was $1.60. It was $1.60 a litre. I've been putting fuel in my boat for months upon months at $2.50. I'm filling my boat up and it's costing me like $400 plus to fill it every single time I went. I went the other day... See, I'm a conspiracy theorist like this. I'm like, you know what they did? They put it up to like $2.50, $2.40, and then when they bring it back down, oh, we think $1.60 is cheap. But what it was before, it was $1.30 before then. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's so that, than it was two weeks that's ago. That's my conspiracy theory. They put it up for six months, and then when they drop it down, we think the new, oh, $1.60, cheap it's the new norm. as It's chips. the new normal. Exactly. Fill every jerry can you've got up because they, it's it's they, cheap. They never landed on the moon. I could actually afford fuel. And Kari's <laughs> car's petrol too. She goes, yeah, it's been like this for a week. I'm like, cool. Now, <laughs> fill fill your, your boat boats up. up. That's the tip because it's uh it's cheap and you know you don't know what they're going to do to us. That was Red's tip. Don't miss Anaconda's Adventure HQ Grand Opening Celebration. Well, I tell you what, um, the flying gaff this week it uh, it heads to Norway where a walrus has been euthanised. Now, this is a famous walrus, uh, Redmond. It <laughs> nicknamed Freya, and this walrus you would have seen on socials if you like your boating sort of socials uh, because it's, um, it has been, it's made, been made famous by going onto dinghies at uh, tender at rest and those sorts of things and sinking them literally sitting on the front of them and sinking tenders. Now, the public's become a little bit too uh, confident getting too close to this thing, and this thing could fairly eat a kid. 600 kilo. Well, was 600 kilo, (laughs) because unfortunately it's been euthanised. So the the big fella, or the big Sheila, uh, Freya, she gets the gaff this week. She's no longer on the planet. Unfortunately... She got the real rough end of the gaff. She got the rough end of the gaff, unfortunately. So uh, the Oslo police forced to block off the bathing area and uh, euthanised in the end. So uh, You can't just go around sinking boats. 
Well, she had it coming. She had it coming. Yeah, I'm all for that one. Thanks for your company this morning on Real Adventures. We hope you enjoy the show. We'll see you next week. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.